0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Yay! Someone just say fire. Fire. Say freedom. Freedom. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. No limits. Amen, amen, you can be seated, what a, what a joy it is to be here, and man, first time I've been to Bethel, Austin, this, this place, Whew. something's happening here, and we know there's visitors here, and I just love this city and this region, I've had the privilege of ministering many times in this area, and I just believe this is one of the most important areas of what God's doing in our country. I believe that. And so, you know, they asked the traveling speaker, how come every place you go, revival breaks out? And he gave this answer. He said, I ask the Lord where the next revival is, (laughs) and then I go there. How many of you know if you partner with what God's already doing, it makes you look better than you really are? <laughs> I don't want to build a structure and ask God to fill it. I want to find out what God's doing and build a structure around it. And I just see that's really what, what's happening here is that we're, we're, we're partnering with what God's doing. John four thirty five, Jesus said, Do you not say four months and then the harvest? I say look up and see. Look up and see. By the way, this meeting tonight, the Lord is supernaturally causing people to look up and see. To look up and see. He says the fields are white for harvest. He said, There's something already happening to partner with. It's already just say it's already happening. And one of the great things, one of the assignments of people in ministry is to find out what God's doing, <laughs> and actually leave enough room in our lives, in our meetings, and in our ministries to actually see it. you Bill Johnson, uh, senior leader of Bethel Church, and Two of his favorite quotes, he's got a lot of them, but here's two. He's one of them that I really like. He said, instead of praying for revival, why don't you just have one? <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I heard that, I said, can you just have a revival? I thought you had to wait. I thought you had to be wait to be zapped. Then another one of uh, his quotes I really like, he said, the only closed heavens are between your ears. (laughs) (laughs) The only closed heavens are between your ears. That's a good one. By the way, so good to be with you, Joaquin. Love you. Love you and Renee, just being able to partner with you through the years and you're, you're a man I just highly respect and I'm just so excited of you and the team that you've got here and just believe it's so important and it's a, it's a privilege to be able to just partner with you and, and to sew into what God's doing. I've got a team with me of four third-year students of the School of Supernatural Ministry in Reading. Why don't you guys stand up? Yeah, just welcome them. Yay. They're serving me this year, and they're on this trip, and so they're going to help me close the meeting tonight. That's the plan, unless we're sovereignly hindered <laughs> from that plan, but that's where we're pointing ourselves. Um, uh, just, um, I was just praying over you, and you know, just uh, how many of you know the most powerful words, prophetic words, have clear identity statements in them? When the angel prophesied to Gideon in in Judges 6, he didn't tell him what he was going to do at first. He told him who he was. He said, hello, mighty warrior. He didn't say, hello, one who in the future is going to do mighty warrior exploits. (laughs) Yeah, let's just laugh at that. (laughs) He told him who he was. Because we can't consistently do what we don't believe we are. We can't consistently do what we don't believe we are. I remember years ago crying out for, in prayer saying, Lord, bring unity to the body of Christ so we can have revival. And, and I heard this, Steve, if I could just get you into unity, we'd have revival. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get you into unity because you're trying to do things you don't believe you are. You pray one thing and then say another thing. Uh, you know, I'm going to get you into unity. And, and so you know, identity is, is the key because if, if, for instance, if I try to act righteous and I think I'm a sinner, I believe I'm a sinner, how I many know I'm in disunity? Because if I believe I'm a sinner, I'll sin by faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think this this message is just gonna be for you. <laughs> so I was, I was asking the Lord, say, who's who is Austin? I heard, I heard some things using each of the letters of Austin's name. I heard you are amplifiers of the now thing that God is doing. You are amplifiers, you're, you're like a speaker that amplifies what God's doing. Um, who's, uh, you are unifiers. This is a, this is a city that unifies. There's a you know I love to love to hear the um, announcement about the women's conference and the heart behind that and um, I hear this you are you are unifiers and and also I heard that Austin is going to be um, a key city to break off the partisan politic spirit. I heard that Austin is a supernaturally strategic city. Yeah. Yeah. Strategic. There's there's supernatural strategists in Austin. People who think not just out of their mind but out of their spirits. And I heard this, I heard ideas are coming out of Austin that are going to shape the nation in an incredible way in the next 10 years. The best ideas have yet to have been thought. I heard that Austin is, is a city that, of, full of thankers. It's a thankful city. And, and I heard this, that there's people, even within the sound of my voice tonight, The Lord is going to take you up to the headwaters of thanksgiving. He's going to take you up there. You're going to find out why it says enter his gates with thanksgiving. You're going to find out why he said that. (laughs) And you're going to bring something down from the headwaters. It's going to change everything. I heard that Austin is, uh, you are imploders of the elder brother mindset. (laughs) Imploders of the elder brother religious performance based uh, non joyful mindset. I like that word, imploders. (laughs) And then I heard Austin is a city full of Nehemiahs. Nehemiah leaders. And it exports Nehemiah leaders around the world. I love Nehemiah. He was a man of passion and a man of mobilization. He mobilized people. And and Nehemiah's chapter 1 to 6 are really crucial in this hour. You know, I mean, when God... when When the Lord gave, when the angel gave Gideon the prophetic word, you're a mighty warrior or a mighty man of valor, he was not living in the experience of that. He was a mighty warrior living in a non-mighty warrior experience. How many of you know our experience doesn't create our identity? And... There's something, there's something in this spiritual atmosphere about Isaiah 61 where it says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord's upon me, where it says, He has anointed me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And there's something on that for the people in this room because it's the proclamation of liberty to somebody who's in a captive experience. Gideon was captive by um, victim mindsets, Captive by bad beliefs and and, but The angel proclaimed liberty to him Through through telling him who he was and 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 there's something on on proclaim and by the way this meeting I'm proclaiming liberty to any captivity that you're in Whether you're captive to uh, Depression captive to poverty captive to pessimism captive to uh, addictions. Uh, I want to tell you this. You are free. You're free. Just say, I'm free. I'm free. And, and, and this, this meeting, um, I, I just see in my spirit, I, I, there's nobody here by accident. And, and And there's great people in this room. I mean... The Friday night crowd. (laughs) You're either serious about Jesus or, or somebody serious brought you. What else was I hearing? Where's those, um, there were th- three ladies who had red shirts on. Can you guys stand up? Or is there more than three? There's three. <laughs> Something on fire? on fire? Oh, this girl's on fire? <laughs> well, I just, uh, what, what I hear over you is that um, you're, you are f- three, fiery women. And, and I see that the Lord has just brought you together. You know, one can put a thousand to flight, two, uh, 10,000, I don't know how many, three can, 100,000. But, but I see that God's put a, an assignment before you. It's an assignment that is bigger than what you think you can do. And he's going to clarify that assignment within the next year. And it's going to be a key part of what God's doing around here. And and I I hear when I said ideas, I do. I just, I see idea. You may already have it, but there's an idea coming uh, of something very creative of what the Lord's going to be doing. And it's going to uh, unlock something in the spirit. And you guys are important. And it's going to influence Asia. Here it's going to influence Singapore, there, and Venezuela. And so we bless you in the name of Jesus. Yes, amen. Couple other things I'm hearing. I saw, I saw a peacock. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting, you see things, you know. I was thinking about that, you know, I was thinking about a peacock. And I, I, it reminded me that um, NBC, the network NBC has peacock as kind of its uh, uh, emblem or whatever. And, and I was. Um, this is something I'm hearing. I'm hearing that there's there's going to be revival at NBC. And I'm, I'm hearing. I'm hearing that even in locally that there's going there's doors that are opening to influence media, that media is going to get influenced, and there's somebody who's going to be actually working there. And it's going to be influencing that, and the assignment is bigger than we know, than you know. And, and, and I, I just see God doing something in NBC that's going to amaze us. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Two of our people, two of your people were there at NBC recently. Hmm. Somebody's going, hmm, hmm. Wow, that's encouraging. (laughs) Something else I heard. Love praying for people and just reporting what I hear. People within the sound of my voice, there's some who are frustrated about closed doors, doors that are not opening for you. Maybe ministry doors, maybe you feel like People aren't acknowledging or recognizing your gifting, or maybe it's just a season where there doesn't seem to be much have, happening. And, and I'm hearing over you that uh, this word, the Lord is um, causing you to take your eyes off of doors that don't seem to be open, and to actually see the doors that are open right now in your life. I mean, there's been seasons in my life where I, I, was, I was so focused on a door that I wanted to be open that i couldn't even see the door that was open. Let's just laugh at that brother. <laughs> and i see i see someone who's within the sound of my voice you feel like a victim of other people's perceptions of you. And that God is going to deliver you from that thing. That thing getting rid of that thing is going to actually catapult you way beyond. Way way bigger than the one door that you wish would open for you. So thank you, Father. How many of you you've never heard me speak again? Just uh, maybe half. And in... I'm on staff at Bethel Church. Been there since 2008. Met Bill Johnson in 1991 uh, when I was pastoring a small rural church in the middle of Nevada. And I made the great decision of my church of about 30 people to invite a guy named Bill Johnson to come and speak. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> how many of you know? I mean, by the way, that, that I made a decision above my ability to make such a great decision. <laughs> and, and I just released that testimony that decisions that you're making that don't seem to be big. You're going to make big decisions in 2019. That are gonna be indicate that are gonna you're gonna look back on 27 years ago whatever it is and you're gonna say that changed my life. That changed my life. And so I'm on staff. I I work um, through Global Legacy, which is the part of Bethel that leaders, especially church leaders who want more of what's at Bethel, that they access through. Uh, we have online curriculum, we uh, encourage regional gatherings, we encourage, there's also the Bethel Leaders Network, which has started the last two or three years, where it's a, very, it's a more intentional way of people can really belong to Bethel for ch- right now for church leaders. And I travel about half the year, and Wendy and I, we have our own ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. And we have a mandate to ignite hope. There's no hopeless circumstances. There's only hopeless people. And once people get true hope, circumstances cannot stay the same. Hope is an unstoppable force. If something's going to change, somebody's hoping. And one of my favorite definitions of hope is, hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. (laughs) Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it so. Wherever there's no hope, all progress stops. All improvements stop. There was a a town that was going to be covered by a reservoir they were building a dam, and once the town knew that it was no longer going to exist, all improvements stopped. And so, hope—hope hope is, is is a force. I believe that it's the after love. It's the second most powerful leadership quality there is, and I believe our hope level determines our influence level. He who has the most hope has the most influence. And God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. (laughs) God loves to partner with unreasonably optimistic people. Can you imagine David going after Goliath today? (laughs) Hey, David, before you attack Goliath, we're looking on our phones here, and and we're reading what the experts are saying. (laughs) The experts are saying you're, you're being unreasonably optimistic. And the experts are saying, You should go back to the fields with the sheep and settle for life as it is. Because what the experts are saying is you're actually going to get killed. Let's just laugh at that, by the way. (laughs) Hey, Ezekiel! (laughs) Ezekiel! Before you prophesy to those dry bones, (laughs) we want to let you know what the experts are saying. The experts are saying you must not know how dry they really are. (laughs) Or you wouldn't be so optimistic. They're suggesting you study the bones' dryness more. (laughs) You do some spiritual mapping on the dryness. And then you'll become more realistic. Because what the experts are saying, that when you speak to the bones, Nothing is going to happen. <laughs> Let's laugh at that as well. <laughs> God hasn't called us to be realistic. He's called us to be supernatural. <laughs> I remember we're learning about hope, and I'll tell you our story a little bit tonight. But And... Basically, we felt like the Lord said, Steve and Wendy, Wendy's my wife, and she said, he said, well, she said, it's kind of like when she talks, it's the Lord as well. (laughs) (laughs) He said, Steve and Wendy, I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. (laughs) Never once have we said, ask the Lord about a situation and said, Lord, are you hopeless about it? Never once have we heard back, yes. Uh, that, that thing's so bad, we, we don't even know what to do about it. <laughs> there are no solutions. Prayer is pointless. Ha ha. <laughs> something's happening tonight <laughs> but I'll share my story some of you know it um, but I don't preach what I preach because I didn't know what else to preach And what should I preach on? Should I preach on the mark of the beast? (laughs) The reason we preach on the renewing of the mind, hope, joy, laughing at lies, declarations, is because we learned it in the fire. And, And we're still learning it. And I grew up on the north coast of California near Eureka in Redwood Tree Country. Yeah. You from there? Yay, in Eureka, yes. What's your name? My name's Bella. Bella? Wow. Hey, Bella, you know and I here over you? <laughs> huh? I hear that you're a woman of great courage. You're more courageous than you think. And I hear First Samuel 14, the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer, just really speaking to you in this season. And he and his armor bearer, two people started a revival. There's something in that story. You're a revivalist. So we bless you, Bella. So grew up over there, I, I didn't know the Lord as a boy, I met Wendy when I was a senior in high school. Uh, after I graduated high school, I became a hippie, actually had hair, <laughs> try it, you know, did this, did that, things that hippies did, and uh, <laughs> finally met Jesus, someone say yay. <laughs> And I found out there's no high like the most high. No high like the most high. So my belief system, I started going to Assembly of God Church in Fortuna, California. My belief system at that time was uh, that if I didn't think I was saved when I was sitting in church... uh, If I didn't feel saved, then I didn't think I was saved. And if they gave the altar call to be saved, I'd go up again and get saved, just to make sure. Mm -hmm. Did that a number of times. Then the Lord said, Steve, I've got good news for you. (laughs) (laughs) You are saved even when you don't feel saved. I said, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. I thought feelings were the highest indicator of truth there was. Ha <laughs> ha. Yep, let's laugh at that as well. Ha <laughs> ha. So even after I heard that, I would sometimes come to church not feeling saved. And they'd give the altar call to be saved, and I'd want to go down there so bad. <laughs> I want to go down. Lord says, do not go down there. Do not go down there. Stay, Steve. Stay. But Lord, I want to get this spirit of heaviness off me. I want to get this heavy feeling. and I know if I go down there, I'll get it off me. And he says, now I'm going to show you how to get that thing off you. It's not by doing something different, it's by believing something different. So that, just looking back, that was kind of the beginning of just really the message the Lord's given us. And so we stayed in that church, Wendy and I got married a couple years after we got saved, and... We stayed in that church 15 years, 13 of it. I was on staff, and it was a season of living in Romans 12, 1, giving our bodies as living, living sacrifice to the Lord. <laughs> it was a season of surrender. And Wendy and I, uh, we had a lot of things to surrender. We had to learn how to do relationship God's way, not, not doing a relationship on sand but rock. How many? <laughs> Yeah, I've never done anything God's way and said, bummer, I wish I wouldn't have done it God's way. <laughs> We're going to learn how to treat people God's way, you know, how to be honest, you know, building integrity. Uh, we heard what Isaiah heard in, in Isaiah 6. He's in the encounter. By the way, just say encounter. encounter. There's, there's going to be an, an increase in encounters in your life. Uh, 2019 is the year of encounters. It's the year of encounters. We don't need just knowledge. We need encounters. And Isaiah's having an encounter, and he hears a voice saying, Who will go for us? And Isaiah said what? Here am I. Send me. And, you know, just it was a season of Surrendering to the Lord and running to altars and just saying, God, whatever, whatever you want, we lay it all down. We lay it down. We lay our dreams down. We lay our agendas down. And it was an important season. And even, even the message that I'm going to be sharing with you tonight and tomorrow night, if you don't get that piece down of surrendering your heart and your will to the Lord, even what I'm going to share with you, could get weird. But you get that piece down and you build what I'm going to tell you, it, it, it leads to unlimited potential. Unlim- just say no limits. no limits. So 1991, anybody met Jehovah Sneaky? Yeah. We did that year. We wanted to become senior pastors. We felt like the Lord said that was what we were supposed to do. So we thought about where we would like to go. We thought about Hawaii. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> There's people there, but Jehovah sneaky sent us out to the high desert, a place called Round Mountain, Nevada. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> right in the middle of the state, four hours from Reno, four hours from Vegas. We stayed there ten years. A gold mining community, about 2,500 people in a radius of 40 miles. This is rural. But we knew that we knew that we knew we were supposed to be there. We had a word. When you and I looked at each other, we're supposed to be there. By the way, how many of you know God's not always logical? And there's, there's people in this room, you're, you're going to do some illogical things because of how strong the word is. Many of you have already done it, uh, but you ain't seen nothing yet. And some of you have never, never done that, but you're going to do it because of how strong the word is in your life. And so, and we were there, and how many know God likes to send people to deserts to teach them how to repent? <laughs> and one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. So basically, he said, I love your heart for Romans 12.1, but if you're going to see transformation, I've got to move you into Romans 12.2. Where Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. So transformation doesn't come from surrendering your heart. It comes from surrendering your beliefs. Wendy's thinking her lack of breakthroughs because she hadn't given God her heart. And this is the season, the early 90s, and she's learning this, but she's still thinking... Man, she hasn't given God her heart enough, and so uh, she's crying out in prayer, God, I give you my heart, I give you my heart. And then she thought, man, I, I, maybe I just can't even give him my heart. God, just take my heart. And the Lord interrupts her prayer and says, Wendy, I have your heart, now I need your mind. I remember he, he asked her, she, he, he said, Wendy, can you surrender the beliefs, the beliefs that you're shy inadequate and can't speak well in front of others can you surrender those beliefs and she said but lord that's who i am (laughs) i like that laugh (laughs) lord that's who i am and she heard this that's not who you are that's just who you've become Because you've renewed your mind with past experience rather than what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Cur- current, current mind renewal creates future experience, whether the positive or negative. Mind renewal, on one level, is just whatever you constantly come into agreement with. whether it's my identity, other people, my city. And so he said, he said, Steve, can you surrender the belief that you are (laughs) non-influential? I said, well, Lord, I am. I can hardly influence sagebrush. (laughs) Can you surrender that? I said, well. Lord, I'll make a deal with you. I'll get better beliefs when things start getting better in my life. Is that okay with you? He said, no. He says, that's not how this thing works. That's not how this thing works. How this thing works is you've got to believe higher than what you're experiencing. It's called faith. Imagine that. It's come to that. I used to say, Lord, I'll believe when I see. Then I'll believe. Yep, amen. I'm a man of faith. He said, no, you're just a great man of fact. I got to believe something before... That I'm not experiencing. God hasn't called us to be thermometers. He's called us to be thermostats. I used to be only a thermometer in what I was thinking and saying. I'm tired. This place is hard for the gospel. Nobody around here wants to get saved. We don't have much money. Every time I move forward in God, I get attacked by the devil. (laughs) Remember the Lord asked me about that when he says, Hey, Steve, how come you say every time you move forward in me, you get attacked by the devil? Well, Lord, the reason I say every time I move forward in you, I get attacked by the devil is because every time I move forward in you, (laughs) I get attacked by the devil. That's why I say it. That's why I say it. And here's what I heard. He said, it's true for you, but it's not truth. It's true for you, but it's not truth. I heard he said, Steve, how come you talk more about the devil's attack than my protection? <clears throat> uh, well, Lord. <laughs> 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 Well, Lord, if I saw more of your protection, I'd talk about it more. (laughs) (laughs) See, I got a suggestion for you. See, why don't you start talking about it more? Gideon was a a mighty warrior living in a non-mighty warrior experience. He was a mighty warrior. The Bible says, let the weak, what, say I'm weak? It doesn't say let the weak say, it says let the weak say, I'm strong. We don't deny weakness if we're battling it. Get prayer, go to the doctor, take medication if you need to, but don't call yourself weak. Don't agree that you're weak. Don't renew your mind that you're weak. Because if you do that, that thing is bigger than anything the devil's doing. So we're getting overhauled out there in the desert. (laughs) And it wasn't a convenient time to think higher. Man. (laughs) Yeah. I had, I had a lot of things telling me during that season I was a failure. Let me just share some of them, and after each one, why don't you laugh, okay? <laughs> Let's laugh. I had a non-successful car. Ha ha. Ha ha. I had a non-successful salary. Ha ha ha. My hair was starting to get non-successful. <laughs> Let's give an extra laugh on that one. Ha <laughs> ha. My church size was not successful. <laughs> My home, which was a single wide trailer that was very old, was not successful. I remember the Lord says, I, I want I want you to start I want you go higher in what you think now. I want you to go higher in what you're saying now. I want I want you to move in the faith. I said, Lord, it's not a convenient season. Can we wait until a few things get a little bit better? ha. Oh. No, there's never a convenient season. There's never going to be a convenient time to say I'm going for it. I mean, you think about, you know, the 12 spies and Numbers 13, Moses sends them out. They see the same. They go out for 40 days, spy out the promised land. They come back. They break up into two groups of people. One group is the 10 spies. Somebody say boo. 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 The other group is Joshua and Caleb. Somebody say yay. Isn't it amazing that two groups of people could see the exact same circumstance and put a different conclusion on what they saw? Now, really, on one level, the the circumstances aren't as important as the conclusions that you make. I can understand Joshua. He spent extra time in the tent of meeting and hung out with Moses, but this Caleb guy, who was he? He broke out of the pack. Just say, I'm breaking out of the pack. He hung out with all the pessimists, all the victim mindset people, all the grumblers of, of, against authority. <laughs> all the people watching Fox News and CNN. Feeding on that stuff all the time. He, broke, he, he hung out with all of it and he broke out of the pack. We don't, we don't have enough time to feed on garbage. And, and so we're out there and he shows us John eight thirty two. The truth will make you what? So every area of my life where I believe truth in, I get free. Every area of my life where I believe lies, I'm not free. So I get saved by believing in Jesus. I get free by believing like Jesus. I get saved by believing in Jesus. I get free by believing like Jesus. So the battle really is between lies and truth. I'm not a devil-focused Christian. I'm a belief-focused Christian. I don't want you to be ignorant about the devil, but I don't talk about the devil very much. <laughs> but I talk about what I believe all the time. Because if I can believe truth, I get free. And if I'm free, it doesn't sound like the devil's bugging me very much. <laughs> Just a thought. Even to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, you got to believe something to get those pieces on. you will just fly on you automatically. I love the shield of faith. Shield of good beliefs. What's it say? Where you can quench some of the fiery darts? How many? All, All of them? All. All. That'll mess up some people's theology. So, how do, so then, how do we know if, if the battles are in lies and truth? How do we know if we're believing a lie? Because the nature of deception is you don't know you're deceived. And once you know you're deceived, you're no longer deceived. <laughs> That's taught in deception class 101. Ha <laughs> ha. So I got an indicator. Any area where I don't have great hope in my life is under the influence of a lie. My hope levels' the indicator of whether I'm believing lies or truth. Romans 15:13 says, "Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing." That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you boil that verse down to its essence, it's this: Now may the God of hope fill you in believing. So the moment I believe truth is the moment I start getting filled by the God of hope. Increasing hope is the evidence I'm renewing my mind with truth instead of lies. Decreasing hope is the evidence I'm renewing my mind with lies and not truth. So I keep believing truth. I start getting filled by the God of hope. Pretty soon it gets to my eyes. I'm actually seeing everything differently. Wow. Hey, I'm not as bad as I thought I was. I think God could even use me. I think there's hope for me. Hey, the people in my life, they're not as bad as I thought they were either. I think God could even use them. He told us this your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. I want you to say that with me. My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. How about one more time? My hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. So my hopelessness, if if I'm battling for hope in my finances, then I I need to ask the Lord, what's the lie that's creating that? Because my hopelessness about my financial issue is a bigger problem than my financial issue. Doesn't mean I'm not doing other things, working hard, educated, giving, or whatever. But if I try to change circumstances without renewing my mind with truth in going after the lies that are creating my lack of hope, I'm probably not going to see long-lasting transformation. My hopelessness about my nation is a bigger problem than anything going on in my nation. Unless I don't believe who God says I am. You say, how, how do we get this thing off me? How do we get the spirit of heaviness off me? You know, wherever we, we've experienced that, because most depression, discouragement, spirits of heaviness are caused by believing lies. They're not caused by circumstances or, or physiological things. They're belief. And th- these are things we're hearing, and I mean, it just, uh, whew, uh, it, it, um. Like I was reading a book by a guy named Francis Frangipan called The Three Battlegrounds, and he said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope, say glisten with hope. hope. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I read that, became instantly discouraged. I mean you know it's a lot easier to blame the devil. That's when I found one area I had hope, didn't have it. Then I prayed a dumb prayer. Oh God, would you please show me every lie that I'm believing? That was dumb. Should have prayed, Lord, show me 10% of the lies I'm believing. Because <laughs> I got a revelation, almost everything I believed in my life was a lie, and I was pastoring a church. Yep, let's not laugh at that. (laughs) (laughs) I had good doctrine, but bad beliefs. Jesus is God. Yes, amen. 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 (laughs) Yes, I'm a high-level truth believer. I believe that. Yep, the Bible's the, the inspired word of God. Final authority in every area, area of life. Yes, amen. Believe that. Yes, amen. I'm a high-level truth believer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good doctrine, but bad beliefs. Show me 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. Someone just go, rah, rah. We demolish arguments and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, taking every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So that most quoted spiritual warfare passage is not talking about regional demonic principalities. It's talking about belief systems in the minds of Christians. You know why they're called strongholds? Because they have a stronghold. (laughs) Kind of makes sense. Stronghold, stronghold. (laughs) We don't discount the need at times to deal directly with the devil. But the greatest strongholds blocking the purposes of God are not regional demonic principalities. They're belief systems in the minds of Christians. I remember one of the cities I pastored, the first week I get there, someone comes up to me and says, Steve, I want to let you know, this city is hard for the gospel. (laughs) I knew this. I knew if I believed that, I'd be the biggest problem in my city. I would be the regional principality. (laughs) Me. (laughs) <laughs> I remember once I was looking at myself in the mirror, realizing I was the only one who could stop me, no devil, no person, Then I was tempted to rebuke me, <laughs> but I didn't do it because I didn't know what would happen. I love it says it, the weapons of our warfare. Say weapons. weapons. Now God's given us mighty weapons of warfare. The context of that is, is God's given us weapons to pull down strongholds in our own thinking. To change how we think. To change what we believe. So we can believe truth instead of lies. That makes me happy. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. Now, I love all the weapons. The Word of God's a weapon. Love encounters is a weapon that can pull down strongholds. People who've got ministries of inner healing, sozo-type ministries, can pull down strongholds. Forgiveness is a powerful weapon that pulls down strongholds. But there's two that I love to talk about. And and one of them is the weapon of declaration, and the other is the weapon of laughter. They're both powerful weapons. And, And the the weapon of declaration is, is you, you, you want to accelerate the renewing of the mind, declare truth out of your mouth. Gideon heard something higher than what he was experiencing. The angel gave him a declaration. You are a mighty warrior. That's who you are. And again, he wasn't living in the experience of it. But that's who he was. Remember in the desert where I'm hardly influencing anybody, the Lord says, I want you to say, Steve, that you radically influence nations. I said, well, Lord, I thought you said, thou shalt not lie. (laughs) Could you please be consistent? Shouldn't I wait until I'm radically influencing nations before I say I'm radically influencing nations? And by the way, declarations, we don't, I don't say declarations to convince other people. I say them to convince me. I'm not trying to convince you who I am. I'm just trying to convince me because stronghold is, tells me I'm not. Tells me I'm not who God says I am. He said, hey, Steve, um, let me ask you a question. Do you wait for an apple tree to have apples on it before you call it an apple tree? No. Lord, even if the apple tree is too young to have apples or it dies before it has apples, we still uh, say it's an apple tree. And we would say, that tree has the gift of apples. (laughs) So, I mean, declarations, and we'll get into this deeper tomorrow night. Uh, on the power of speaking, but you can't change your life without changing how you talk. Romans 4.17 says, God who gives life to the dead by calling those things that are not as though they are. God's method, he has told Abraham, he was a father of many nations before he had children. He's the example uh, of the power of declarations, hearing something higher than what you're experiencing. I'm not waiting for an angel to come to me, I'm coming to me. But I want to end tonight, I want to get into the weapon of laughter. We're gonna do some laughing tonight, so why don't you guys just warm up your laughers? Ha ha ha. Cause I wouldn't want somebody to laugh suddenly and pull a laugh muscle. Now I used to be a laughter impaired, joy impaired Christian. And I got delivered. I found out the joy of the Lord actually is my strength. A merry heart is good like medicine. In his presence is fullness of joy. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not about meat and drink, but about righteousness, peace, and joy. Joy is one third of the kingdom. And I was getting all heavy about this renewing the minds. I'm a mess. I've got so many bad beliefs. I was getting depressed about my beliefs. Then then he gave me this weapon, the weapon of laughing at lies. It says in Psalm 2.4, it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. How many here want to become more like God? Yeah. Thank you. I'm setting you up. The question is, what's God laughing at in Psalm 2.4? Some say he's laughing at us. Maybe true, but it's not the context.) <laughs> the context of Psalm 2:4 is that God's laughing at what His enemies are saying and planning. Someone says, oh, Heavenly Father, we've just put together a little booklet of the latest things the devil's saying and planning. Could you please thumb through it? I'll just be Heavenly Father just for this example. Ha <laughs> ha <laughs> hey, Holy Spirit, look at this. <laughs> so I got an idea. I'm a spiritual experimenter. I've done things I've never, ever heard any other Christian do. By the way, i released spiritual experimentation over you. There's no progress unless somebody's trying something new. So I got an idea, if the, devil's, uh, if the Heavenly Father's laughing at what his enemies are saying, the devil's my enemy, and he's the father of all lies, that I'm going to do an experiment, and I'm going to laugh at his lies and see what happens. Now, lies sound really real in the darkness of our thinking. You know, like, oh, oh yes, amen, if I don't feel saved, that means I'm not saved. Oh yes, if it feels this true, it's got to be true. Yes. That's truth. (laughs) But then when I put language to the lie, uh, my salvation is dependent upon my feelings. That's just stupid. That's laughable. Ha ha. I know we don't laugh all the time. We'll weep with those who weep. And I've pastored. Sometimes I'll just cry with people and Sometimes in brave communication, we're not laughing, but I believe this. <laughs> I believe this: the body of Christ has been joy deficient, and this has been a powerful weapon. I wrote, wrote a book called "Let's Just Laugh at That." I got two. "Let's Just Laugh at That" for kids: how, how to break off lies as, as a child through laughter. Um, you, uh, you know, I don't want to wait. You know, have people wait till they're adults. So, so here's what we're going to do. Well, I'm going to share with you some of the devil's all-time favorite lies and what I'd like you to do after you hear each lie. I just like you to laugh. Just do an experiment. Some of them are going to be easy to laugh at. Ha-ha, <laughs> woo-hoo. Others of them are going to be deeper lies, and you might laugh like this. ha 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 Ha-ha-ha-ha. Because you're actually getting delivered of something. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Probably going after a stronghold. You now to laugh, you have to let go of something. Some of it, we, sometimes we just because sometimes we want to protect ourselves from hope. Ha) <laughs> 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 We do. It, it, it is, it's funny, but sometimes we're, the fear of being disappointed again robs people from vision for their life and to let go, to let go. It's, it's warfare. I'll tell you, there's two ways to live. You can live a hopeless life and never be disappointed, or you can live a hope filled life with occasional disappointment. Are you guys ready? Yeah. All right, I want you to laugh just a little louder than you were planning. Let's start with this this basic lie, one of his favorites. Let's laugh at this. You are a failure. <laughs> 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 Let's give an extra laugh on that one. (laughs) here's another good one God will not (laughs) God will not Provide for your needs in the future (laughs) 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 because God's ability to provide for your needs is dependent on how the economy is doing (laughs) or it's dependent on how you are doing. (laughs) That goes after deeper belief systems. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh. Here's a good one. You should not trust the perspective of any Christian who laughs a lot. <laughs> 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 Here's a lie I camped in for about a decade. <laughs> there is something uniquely wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a good one. The Austin region of Texas is an impossible region for worldwide revival to break out from. Matter of fact, because of this region's sinful history, God doesn't even like this region. Here's another one. In key decisions that you will need to make in the future, you will not know what to do. (laughs) I'm getting concerned about this section. This section over here (laughs) looks decent and in order. (laughs) (laughs) They're not sure how to take that. (laughs) Is is that a compliment? (laughs) Isn't it just fun to laugh? It, just, it just, The Bible says, Proverbs 17, a merry heart is good like medicine. And there's something about laughter that is so powerful. It's so powerful. I mean, and science has caught up with the Bible again and proven that laughter benefits your health. You just do an online search, laughter and health, you're going to be amazed. It's one of the keys to emotional and physical health. And just valuing it. And, and I believe this, that um, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I believe that our, our spiritual load-bearing capacity is in direct proportion to the level of joy in our lives. And pretty much for everybody in the room, tonight's just not a good night to be radically joyful. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Joy, in a more convenient season, I will call for you. (laughs) A couple more lies. (laughs) This meeting tonight... (laughs) Will have no lasting impact on your life. <laughs> <laughs> ha ha. And then one of the devil's all time favorite lies laughter in the church is from the devil. Ha 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 <laughs> Still concerned, Joaquin? Are you con you concerned? I mean, uh, that, especially that row row two. I mean though. Concerning, <laughs> in a good way. Hey, tomorrow night we're gonna go deeper. We're gonna go deeper. You know, I, I've noticed this. You know, where this message comes, it actually it's like a leaven that just starts working in you. And, and I've noticed just the more you put yourself under it. It's just the deeper it goes. And if you get in an environment like this of revelation and freedom and you allow hope to start arising in you, it creates no limits on our lives. This message isn't the whole pie, but it's a big piece of the pie. It's a piece of the pie. If we we try to do great things for God and, and, and don't get our beliefs right, then it's going to be difficult to do that. I used to only think right when I was under the manifest presence of God. (laughs) 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 Let's laugh at this line. If you're not laughing as much as the people over there... It means there's something wrong with you. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Ho, ho. So we got resources on the table, a number of books. I'll give a few away in a moment. Um, ignitinghope.com It's our website. We do, I do a weekly podcast, blogs. We do all kinds of things to encourage uh, your lives and And we just, uh, yeah, we just say thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here. Thank you, Lord, for every person who's here. Thank you for the power of beliefs, the power of hope. Thank you just for dismantling lies tonight. Thank you for exposing what the true spiritual warfare is. Thank you, Lord, for the power of renewing our minds. Thank you for the power of surrendering our hearts, but thank you for the power of surrendering what we believe and that we can't trust any belief in our life that doesn't have hope attached to it. Thank you, God. Thank you for that revelation. Thank you that that's getting on us. Thank you there's history makers in this room. Thank you. There's people who are going to get so much hope on their lives. They're going to prophesy to dry bones all over the world. are going to create armies. Armies out of dry bone addicted people. Armies out of dry bone nations. Armies. Armies out of dry bone government. Armies out of dry bone families. Armies. Uh, out of dry bone people groups. Thank you, Lord, that there's people in this room who are gonna have hope and prophesy life and change the world. You guys receive this message, say I receive it, I receive it. I'll, never I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me tonight. It was supernatural. It's going to increase. And it's going to influence the nations. Amen. Give God thanks. Give him praise. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.